it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tokyo 2020 will see five new sports take their place at the greatest show on earth. Amongst those invited to join the top table is skateboarding, which will be making its Olympic debut. This is Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy, the series where we meet the men and women tasked with leading sport in this country as we head towards the next edition of the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Skateboard GB announced a team of five to benefit from the UK Sports Aspiration Fund with the aim of qualifying for Tokyo. On the team, Alex Takuna, Jordan Thackeray, Sam Beckett, Alex Halford and Sky Brown who will be just 12 years of age if she gets the opportunity to represent Team GB. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And for this episode of Season 2, we're in Sheffield to meet the man responsible for making some British Olympic history. For the bosses of these new Olympic sports, there is a unique challenge to prepare and support a team who are stepping into the unknown and where no previous programme has existed. It's all part of the International Olympic Committee's drive to continue to be relevant to the youth of the world and action sports are a key part of this strategy. And there's plenty of action in skate parks up and down the country, but how will mass participation translate to the Olympic programme? Hello, I'm James Hope Gill and I'm the Chief Executive of Skateboard GB and Skateboard England. Tell us first and foremost what it's like, how exciting it is to be on the precipice of an Olympic Games when you've never been there before, James. It's incredibly exciting and, and absolutely rewarding. Um, I've been involved now in skateboarding since the end of 2013 when I was asked as a sports consultant to come in and set the governing body up, so work with the community to create an organisation so that skateboarding decisions were made by skateboarders. So this was before the Olympics was announced. And, um, but the, the decision then to come into the Olympics has just accelerated the work that we want to do in terms of growing the sport, making it sustainable and making it really strong. And it's, it is incredibly exciting and rewarding. You got the UK Sport funding, the Aspiration funding. You announced five potential athletes, skateboarders, that could be representing Team GB. Where are we in terms of the qualification? Are those five all still en route to Tokyo? Are there more to come? 
Um, yeah, so so we've got the five skateboarders. Um, you'll have heard of Sky Brown, who's um, the 11-year-old um, park rider who's doing extremely well. She's, she's number three in the world at the moment. And um, so, you know, um, she's pretty much on the on the road to qualifying. And, and, you know, in Tokyo, hopefully we'll get a medal, which would be amazing. Um, the other guys, so we've got Sam Beckett, Jordan Thackeray, Alex Dacuna and Alex Halford. Um, they're all still taking part in events, though Sam's broken his ankle, so he's in a boot at the moment. So he's having a bit of a break. Um, but the way that World Skate have set up the qualification process is that um, it won't be until the end of May that we know who's qualified. Um, so whilst they might not be in the top 20 at the moment, um, there is a chance of a skater performing at any event and propelling themselves into that top 20. So so all four of the other guys uh, you know, have got a chance still of, of going to the Olympics. And you mentioned Sky, and I'm sure we'll go on and speak more at length about her. But in terms of that qualification programme, is there a circuit that these skateboarders are on now? Yes, there is. So there's, there's um, about another five or six events that they can take part in. Um, so that, that includes the national championships in the UK, which they can get Olympic qualifying points for. Um, but there's events in Lima, in um, Nanjing, in London for the World Championships in Street. Um, there's LA and, and other events in China and um, and Japan as well. So there's, there's, there's that circuit that's there. And what the Aspiration Funding did is it gave us the funding for those five athletes. Athletes, he says, <laughs> you know, the skateboarders. Um, to get them to enough events that if they're good enough, then they'll qualify. Um, it also gave us some funding to take on a team manager full-time, and his role is to do the logistics and the admin, but also help them sort of tactically and from an analysis point of view as well. Now, we've got Tokyo, obviously, on your agenda, Paris potentially as well. Were a medal to be won in Tokyo, could that be the game-changer in terms of setting up a bigger programme, a more expansive programme? Um, absolutely, yes. Um, but uh, but we're actually going through the process at the moment with UK Sport of the funding application for the cycle 2021 to 2025. So we're already thinking around what, what does a talent pathway look like? What does a world-class performance programme look like? What does it take to win in skateboarding? So we're already doing a lot of work and have been for the last six months. Um, and, and that funding will enable us um, to actually put in place um, the systems that we need and the, the people that we need to um, develop that skateboarding at that elite end. And is there now then a sense of a knowledge exchange because skateboarding is at the start of a journey. You've got things like freestyle BMX and snowboarding. Are you talking to those kinds of organisations about setting up things like talent pathways and performance programmes? Absolutely, yeah. So, that, so those guys went through this process probably anything between 15 and 20 years ago and have learned a huge amount. So the thing to bear in mind is that skateboarding is a sport, but to the vast majority of people that actually skateboard, it's a culture and a lifestyle and they don't necessarily see it as a sport. So, and, and that was the same for BMX freestyle and, the, um, and snowboarding. So absolutely, we're working with those guys, and, and we're getting a lot of advice from them, which is um, phenomenal. It's really useful. There has sometimes been the suggestion that British sport exists in silos. So how helpful has it been? And have those people been forthcoming with their knowledge? Oh, absolutely. The collaboration between the sports has been amazing. And, um, and and my experience with dealing with Sport England and UK Sport and the other sports has been one of collaboration. And, um, and it's not only about medals. You know, it is about social impact. It is about participation. It is about creating something that's sustainable, that will grow long term, not just about a quick fix in Tokyo or Paris or L.A. So people going 
to watch skateboarding or most likely watching some skateboarding on the television. I'm sure it will be a big television spectacle in Tokyo because it's new. What in what in, what are the actual disciplines that we've got to look forward to? Right, so there's there's two disciplines in the Olympics. One is park and one is street and there's male and female in each. Um park is if you imagine a big swimming pool that's been filled in, so it's got curved edges and a, and a skateboarder will um, start outside the, the bowl and, and go in um, at speed, be doing tricks, and some of those tricks will involve them coming out of the bowl and going back in. Um, and that's really exciting. And um, and the, the boys, although the men get some really good height, and they'll be doing 350 or three, 360 spins or 540 spins. And, um, and, and for me, that's out of the two disciplines, that's the one that I like to watch. Um, the, the other discipline is street. And so it'll be something like a, a 20 meter by 10 meter course. Um, and you've got steps and rails and curbs and, and sort of urban architecture that you would see. And, and the, the skater will have 45 seconds or a minute to do as many tricks as they can on those obstacles. It must be difficult as a, a governing body that has public money because you don't know what a winning run looks like at the Olympics yet, do you? Well, we don't know what a re- winning run looks like in the Olympics, but we know what it looks like in the Olympic qualifiers and we know what it looks like in the X Games and the Dew Tour and the Vans Pro Series. So we can look and see um, what those the, the people that are placing, how they're doing and what tricks are they doing and, and how much of the course they're using. And, and the number of tricks and the difficulty. So there's a, there's a, there's, there's a lot we can learn, and, and we've started doing that. The team manager, Darren, has started to do that work, and, and that has really benefited all our skateboarders. So tell us a bit about the organisation and how it's set up, because we've got these national bodies, Skateboard England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and then obviously GB Skateboard. Is GB Skateboard just concerned then with this Olympic programme, the elite athletes? It is, yeah. So historically... Um, Skateboard Scotland, Skateboard Northern Ireland have been around for a number of years, so 10, 15 years. Um, I was asked to come in and and help lead the setting up of Skateboard England back in 2013. Very new then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, and we had conversations with Scotland around that time about creating GB. But it was, you know, we decided collectively that it was better at that stage um, to set up England. Um, There was then an announcement it was going to be in the Olympics. And so we had to set up GB. There had to be a GB entity. And so we set that up um, at the end of 2017, so even younger than England. And, um, but in reality, that just sat there waiting for the Olympics to happen. Um, so we didn't really have a function because there was no funding or capacity within it. With the aspiration funding that came towards the end of 2018, suddenly GB became really important from that elite point of view. So we had to meet Tier 2 compliance of the um, Governance Code and, and started to having to really concentrate on what does it take to win? Um, what does a world-class performance look like? So the Skateboard GB is small. It's got one employee who's the team manager, and then I'm the chief exec of Skateboard England full-time, and, and I spend several days a week at least um, with GB. I think that's quite an important point to highlight because people will think as an organising body, sending a sport to the Olympics, you will have a big, glass tower there'll be a load of receptionists percolating coffee in that reception area pot plants a massive office for you but it's just one employee i'd love employee my house and you. yeah i'd love my house to be that big <laughs> you know yeah so absolutely we're working at home working from home and um and and from a skateboard england point of view i'm the the ceo in there and the the other employee we have we only have one is is a digital role you know, because when you look at skateboarding, skateboarding's not been used as a sport 
since the, the sort of the 1960s has been used as a marketing tool um, for some big brands. And so it's developed along marketing um, sort of themes, if you like, um, being led by the brand. Suddenly it's been thrust into this world of sport. And so things have got to change ever so slightly. And um, so, um, but because the, the marketing has been around content, the digital world is really important for skateboarding. So actually our first employee is, is to do with digital. And it's a huge mass participation sport. I was reading 750,000 active skateboarders. And looking at your new app, your MySkate app, which has been launched recently, an app of every UK skateboard, over 1,500 yeah. in total. So you do have a captive audience. There's, being... a, huge, there's a huge infrastructure there that's um, evolved over time without a governing body. You know, so, so a lot of skateboarders, um, a lot of skate parks, but bearing in mind the discipline of street isn't done at skate parks and and there's more people skateboarding street dis, um skateboarding than there is doing park um and, and you'll see that you'll see people on the street you know and that's they're literally skateboarding that is their discipline um so but but it is but but the other thing to bear in mind is that the digital world is so important and that's why we've, we've created the app so how do we as a governing body engage with the people that take part in the sport um, and, and we've decided that what we need to do is try and create a service and something that benefits the skateboarder. So there's a skate park finder. Um, th- there's functionality within the app so people can GPS locate where they are, take a photo or a little bit of a video, and if it's a skatable area, then they can show everybody else. And so we'll start to map the other areas in the country that you can skate on, as well as the parks. Um, there's a there's a tool in there called a game of skate, which is designed to create community within skateboarding, but also as a tool for new skateboarders to learn tricks. And then there's a there's a whole pillar in there around information, um, around GB or where are the shops, how do you find coaching, and and a whole other um, um, load of information. So and loads more functionality coming. You know we've put the best. Um, sort of functionality out there at the moment, or the basic functionality out there, but we've got some some good stuff coming in the next few months, which is really exciting. Yeah, so that's brand new. So people listening to yeah, this, launched this week that yeah. want to, to to download that, where do they go and find they just that? go on the on Apple or Android and on the, you know on the iTunes Store, my skate app. As I said, seven hundred and fifty thousand active participants, five potentially on the Olympic program, but by its nature. It's not a, a sport with, with the rules and regulations that you've now got to try and fit into an Olympic, an IOC program. How much of a challenge is that? Well, I think it's, it's interesting. So, so the vast majority of skateboarders don't compete. So there's, this, there's, there's sort of almost two camps. So there's the, the skateboarders that take part in competitions, which is actually a really small percentage. And then there's the Insta or the, the social um, skateboarders. And that is the absolute vast majority. Um, and the, the guys that have been taking part in competitions have been doing that for 20, 30 years. You know, you've got some huge elite competitions around X Games, due to all Pro Series. And, and so there has been judging, but they, each of those events have been judged in slightly different ways. And, um, and they've been set up because of that marketing and that commercial aspect as opposed to who is going to win. You know, so it's a different, slightly different mindset. But absolutely, you know, we need to, um, if we want to win at skateboarding, um, for this you know small percentage then we have to i guess get inside the head of a judge you know what is the judge looking for because absolutely they're looking for style and, and that's very subjective um, but there are objective things that we know about in terms of the judging so you know how much what percentage of the of the park are, is the skateboarder using what tricks 
the difficulty, execution. So, so there are things that we can measure, if you like, and improve. But there are elements that are certainly, you know, very difficult. When I think back to Rio boxing, there was big controversy about judges in boxing. Figure skating has traditionally always been a difficult one, again, because it's a judge sport like gymnastics. Do you have concerns there because it's, it's such a new thing? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, world skate um, and the judges are working really hard to get it right. You know, and, and I guess they know that the eyes of the world are on them. And, uh, and they will be judged themselves on, on how it goes. So um, there's a real will um, to, to, to get it right and, and to do it properly. So I have no concerns at all. You're listening to great British bosses from anything but footy. We're talking to James Hope Gill, the chief executive of Skateboard GB and Skateboard England, as skateboarding is about to make its Olympic debut at Tokyo 2020. Tell us about what people will see then in Tokyo what will the venue be like is it indoors is it outdoors is it a mixture of, of both yeah it's it's outdoors it's not been released yet so nobody's seen any any pictures you've not been and uh, no 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 but the the park um so there's obviously two parks one for street and one for um for park but um nobody will get to skate on them until a couple of days before the olympics in their practice sessions um so you'll be able to see what they look like but they those pictures haven't been released yet it's not they've not been built yet um, but they're outside and they're right on the quayside so there's water surrounding one edge and and it looks um it looks a phenomenal venue and i guess the bigger picture for the ioc when they're looking for sustainable games going forward venues that you know can be in use we had the news this week that the rio olympic park has been closed down by a judge because it's unsafe but you imagine that skate parks being built for the Olympics will have a obvious post-game use. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, when, I, when I've been out to, to see some of the Olympic qualifiers, what you find is that these are in countries where they have good weather <laughs> so they can predict whether it's going to rain or not because you can't skateboard when it's raining. Um, but you will, you will have a concrete skate park in, say, Rio or, or Sao Paulo, somewhere like that. And, and what they do is they, they just create the infrastructure around it for events. So actually, it's a public-use park. And, and the great thing about skateboarding is is that whether you're learning to do skateboarding or you're at the absolute top, elite, um, at the elite level, you can be on the same park at the same time because you can learn and do, do the tricks in the, in the same arena. Um, the, the key thing for every country, and this is very true for the UK, is to have an Olympic standard skate park. Um, but the sustainability in it is there. Um, you can use it for grassroots development and participation and also the elite. And, and, you know, our best skateboarders don't live in the UK. And one of the reasons is is because we haven't got the skate parks here. Is that something you want to really address? Absolutely. We need to, yeah. So if, if we want to um, populate that talent pipeline and, and get our guys to be world class, then we're going to need indoor Olympic standard skate parks. And you mentioned, obviously, Sky Brown, number three in the world. Has it been difficult to try and integrate these these skateboarders who are, are so used to kind of a no rules situation into something now which is quite tightly knit you, they're going to be part of the team gb brand potentially and everything in terms of social media for example that comes with that yeah no it's it, it hasn't to be fair it's been it's been quite easy um i guess um it's going to be june time um after the qualification periods ended that the the whole team gb boa thing kicks in um but at the moment um, there's a there's a real sort of team atmosphere, and um, even though some don't live in the UK, you know that's not particularly been an issue. You know, and at the events they've they've certainly been like a team, 
and um, and they've been very supportive of each other. And you know, you've got an eleven-year-old, and um, and then you've got some guys that are in their mid-twenties, you know, and yet, um, you know, they they certainly do interact and get on. I am going to come to Sky Brown now, and you have an eleven-year-old who will be twelve by the time the Olympics comes around. Um, that is. A huge responsibility, isn't it, for you as a chief executive and, and as an organisation to take a 12-year-old to the greatest show on earth? Absolutely. And I think, I think um, you know, we're certainly in a learning process. And I think the BOA are. I think the IOC are as well, you know, and UK Sport. And, and, and as organisations, we're all very cognisant of that. And, um, and we, you know, are, are, are thinking hard around what's the best thing to do. And I think that the thing to bear in mind is that Sky... Um, Sky's coach is her dad, and and whenever Sky competes, um, he's there, and so he's almost like her chaperone um, as well as parent, and so that absolutely helps, you know, and um, and the family tend to go to events as well. So there's a there's a you know a fantastic sort of family atmosphere. Um, I guess the Olympics will be different, um, but Sky's dad again will be there, um, you know, for her as as coach on the on the side of the bowl. So from that point of view, that's fine. But but absolutely, from sort of uh, you know a safeguarding responsibility of the governing body, you know we have a duty of care. You know we have to make sure that everything is done that so you know she is in in the best environment that she can be in the Olympic qualification process, but also in the games as well. In Rio, Amy Tinkler, the gymnast, she was 16, won a bronze medal. She was the youngest member. Tom Daly in Beijing in 2008 was 14. Have you potentially been able to tap into to their paths, maybe have a conversation with someone like Tom Daly, who's managed his career from such a young age seemingly sensationally well? Yeah, no, we, have. we haven't sort of formally sat down with Tom and, and some of those other guys. Uh, we've been doing that, having those discussions with UK Sport and the BOA um, at this stage. Um, and you know, trying to work out, but the IOC, you know, are very conscious that Sky won't be the only one that's under fifteen. You know, there could be three or four more, and um, so they're they're talking with the International Federation and the National Olympic Committees around what provision um, can be put in place. And I think those decisions will be made in June. You know, when we know how or when the IOC know how many um, under 15s have qualified. How good is she? Phenomenal. Yeah, because she's obviously captured the public imagination yeah. because she's so young. But you don't get to number three in the world, do you, without having a little bit about you? No, absolutely. She is phenomenally talented, um, very articulate, really nice, sort of well-grounded kid. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to sort of talk to her and be around her, you know. She obviously had options, I guess. She probably could have competed for Japan, um, as you say, not based in GB. So what brought her onto your programme? Um, yeah, so we had, um, so our chair, Lucy, had, um, who's a skateboarder, has had um, quite a lot of conversations over the years with, with the family and with Sky. And, um, and, and I think, you know, we didn't really have anything to offer. Um, in a sense of we were saying to Sky, look, if you want to come and compete with GB, we haven't got a world-class performance programme. What we have got is we've got some um, enthusiasm and we've got some drive <laughs> and we've got the opportunity. And, um, and our sort of attitude with her is, look, you're, you're 11 years old. What we want to do is, is provide you the opportunity of getting to the qualification events if, you know, if that's what you want. Um, but we're not going to put any constraints on you in terms of how often you train, where you train, what you're doing. You know, so um, very, with Sky, it's very much when she's having fun, she skates her best. And so what we're trying to do is say to her, look, just go out and have fun. 
you know, just go and skate, have fun, do what an 11 year old should be doing. It's a different arena, but you know, go and have fun. Um, whereas certainly the, I think the, the, the program in Japan was very much more structured than that. You know, there was an element of a certain number of hours a day you were training and, and, and yeah. So I, so I think that, you know, her, her family were very aware of the fact that um, she's, she is a child, you know, and, and so you've got to create an environment which is fun and the pressure isn't there. And that's what we've tried to do. The Olympics, the Paralympics tend to create stars. There's often athletes that come out with gold medals that perhaps we might not have heard of 17 days before and suddenly they're on question of sport there's parades there's superstars sky's already a superstar and now she's actually got to go out if you like and compete that's a a different kind of pressure i guess yeah i think so although you know when you when you're actually there and you see her competing yes she's absolutely focused uh, but when she's skating she's smiling you know and, and, I, and i think that you know her dad is is really good in creating that environment um, just before she she takes part and competes, where you know it's really relaxed, you know, and, and it almost seems a natural thing to do. And Sky could potentially, for the sport in this country, be a game changer because, in terms of that gender bias, a top ten activity for boys, but a bottom four activity for girls. Sky Brown being, brings an Olympic medal back. You're going to see those statistics change. Absolutely, aren't you? and and yeah, absolutely. And and to be fair, we're seeing it already. Um, so anecdotally, the skate shops and the skate parks are telling us that there's there's more girls buying skateboards and wanting to skate so it's interesting so yeah so there's a there is quite a small percentage of the sport that that uh, is female um th- there's there's various skate parks in the uk that have done some work around girls participation and we know that girls don't want to learn how to skateboard in a mixed environment and so where you have skate parks or other organizations providing girls only coaching um, or opportunity then the number of girls taking part flies. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, create opportunities for more females to coach and, um, you know, working with the skate parks to do that and other organisations to do that. So so hopefully we'll be able to cope with some of the demand. But it's, it's really hard. You know, when you look at the capacity of the governing body, you know, we know that post-Tokyo there could be huge interest, boys and girls, male and female, you know, adults, um, but we just haven't got the capacity to deal with that, you know, and, and that's a frustration. But what we're trying to do is is empower the skateboard community to take that on because we can't. And we were with Tim Hollingsworth at Sport England on a previous episode of Great British Bosses. And we were recording that when the This Girl Can campaign was launching. And I guess sort of national initiatives, wider initiatives like that, are something that you feel you need to tap into or want to tap into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, would, it would certainly make sense to do that. You know? and, and, and when you look at, at skateboarding, it's not just about sport. It's about um, you know, activity. Um, when to get on a skateboard and to to move on a skateboard and stay on, the amount of strength and coordination and balance you need is phenomenal, and um, and skateboarders see it as as a mode of transport as well. You know, so actually you get on your skateboard to go skateboarding, you know, in terms of at a park or to go to school or to go to work, and so um, there's there's loads of benefits, and and the type of people that tend to skateboard tend to be those that might be you know slightly disenfranchised with education or or authority and um and because it's a very very flexible lifestyle and um and that suits a lot of people and so you know from a social impact point of view we've got huge potential to engage with um people that don't want to take part in traditional sport 
uh, but see skateboarding as something they can do to be active and to be involved in a community which is really welcoming and um, and really precious to be part of. That's quite a big responsibility, the fact that you have to try and tap into some of these, these hard-to-reach communities and, and get these people on board. It is, but again, I, th- I think that what we don't want to do is create a governing body that um, tells people what to do. And um, what we want to do is try and empower and create opportunities. So if we if we work with Skate Southampton, which is a group in Southampton doing some fantastic work, what we want to do is try and help them by maybe training them, empowering them, giving them opportunity, because their programme and what they do will look very different to something happening in Leeds. But if we can work with Leeds and Southampton and Bristol and various other places and just say, how can we create something in this area which is local to this area, which meets your needs... Um, but gets people skateboarding, that's job done, you know. So I, I don't think there'll be many national programmes that we produce. I think there's, there's going to be more bespoke. How do we work with the community um, to engage with them and empower them to, to do it for themselves, you know. And talking about gender equality, you're doing your bit because there will be equal prize money at the national championships. Yeah, there will. So we, we had our first national championships last year and had equal prize money and we're doing exactly the same this year. Um, and, you know... It's absolutely the right thing to do. You know, we've got some phenomenal skateboarders that are male and female and, and they need rewarding in the in the same way. Let's talk about you a little bit before we wrap up. Are you a skateboarder? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not, no. I got I got on a skateboard um about two years ago. I had a quick sort of twenty minute um sort of lesson and go and ended up going down a, a four foot ramp and um went down the other side, went up the other side and then forgot to keep my body perpendicular to the board, and so came off as I came back down, and that was the last time I went on one. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. But what I'm, a- too, I'm too old. My hips wouldn't cope with us being on a skateboard and falling off. But what attracted you then to, to the role? Because you've got a, quite a varied background that we'll, we'll run through briefly, having stalked you on LinkedIn. But when, when skateboarding came knocking or the opportunity became apparent, what, what attracted you to it? Um, well, I was, so I was approached to, to work with the skateboarding community um, because they needed this organisation. And they didn't necessarily want to call it a governing body because the word governing doesn't really fit within the skateboarding culture. Um, but um, you know, when, I, when I met some of the guys, they were so genuine. And what they wanted was they needed some help and some expertise and some experience um, to get them going. You know, and, and so starting to do some work with them, you know, quite quickly you fall in love with it. And um, and the culture and the people and also the potential, you know, you, you've got something that changes lives and, and is sport and is exciting, youth-centred, um, that you can make a real difference in and, and create some legacy, you know, and that is, is just amazing, you know, great opportunity. And, you know, there was, a, there was a period where I wasn't getting paid just because of the, the way the funding was, was working. But, you know, it was still something that I was so passionate about that it was worth me staying, you know, and, and, and seeing it through. And have you ever thought about that moment, as you say there, there was a time when you were doing this for no money and then there will be a time when you're potentially sat in a seat watching the Olympics and watching your sport in the Olympics for the first time. Have you thought about how you'll feel then? I haven't really, no. Because <laughs> I'm sort of living day to day at the moment in terms of getting this funding application done and making sure that we're... Um, you're fighting you fires know, right. right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's natural. But it's it's such an exciting time, you know, and it's amazing to be part of it and feel really privileged to be part of it as well. Would love to be there sat in Tokyo watching a medal, you know, for Great Britain. 
and uh, but we'll you know we'll have to wait and see. And you've got, as I said, having stalked your LinkedIn account, various sort of roles, and and you've had various roles. A member of the World Skateboarding Technical Commission. Yeah. So obviously you're meeting like-minded people from across the globe. Are they reporting from from their nations, their countries, similar things that you're reporting here? Um, no, I think people are quite candid. I mean that that group really is about the direction of skateboarding as a whole, you know, in in the world, and so. Um, it's um, but it's you know it's exciting. It's great to be on there. I'm the only non-skateboarder on there, um, and I think I just potentially just bring something slightly different in terms of that experience that I've had with with other sports. And so um, you know I feel as though I can really give something. And um, but you know that's about you know what is the vision for the world in terms of skateboarding and, and, and growth and participation and and sort of direction. So it's it's really exciting what the International Federation doing. And in terms of your career, um, 10 years as chief executive of the Sheffield and Hallamshire FA. You worked as a non-executive director of South Yorkshire Sport, a consultant to various sport governing bodies um, with the Sport and Recreation Alliance, the Mercia Learning Trust Board. It's all it's all there. But how how different a challenge, how how different, how exciting a challenge is this one compared to to what's come before? I mean, I, you know, the challenge is phenomenal. Um, it's a very different <laughs> setup, I think. I would say to the Sheffield and Hallamshire FA. Oh, it surely. is, yeah, no, absolutely. Where you've got 150 years of tradition and structure and and rules and regulations and um, and everything's established. Whereas, you know, with skateboarding, it's a blank piece of paper. You know, which is really, really exciting because we can, great thing, isn't it? It is, and we can create something that absolutely retains the integrity of the culture, which is probably the most important thing. So every decision that we make. And every direction that we go down, we're asking ourselves all the time, is this for the good of skateboarding and the culture? Because what we can't do is sell the culture just because we hit a funding um, criteria or we have to, to um, you know, do something to get, you know, a national centre or whatever it is, you know, get to get to the Olympic Games. So so the culture is absolutely really, really important. And um, But to be able to create something from nothing although it's not from nothing because the sport's been around for a long time and and the you know there's there's infrastructure there it's just there's no club structure because the closest to a club structure is the independent skate shops the talent pathway is there but it tends to go through brands um so it's it's having the opportunity of saying right how can we create something that that is sensitive to the culture and retains the culture but also looks like an organisation that UK Sport recognise or the BOA or Sport England so that, yes, we can get some resource in or some support in to grow the sport, make it more sustainable, make it stronger. And I guess the ultimate thing for you will be to see your five, maybe six athletes marching in an opening ceremony at the Olympic Games, something that, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you just never would have thought of we, the skateboarders. To be fair, we wouldn't have dreamed of it four years ago. You know, and uh, yeah, it would be... Yeah, it'll it'll be probably quite an emotional <laughs> time, you know, to at that opening ceremony to see some British skateboarders. It'd be amazing, you know, one amazing, two, three, four. Who knows? Well, it's a really exciting time for you. Lots of work to do, though. There is, yeah, and and but that's the excitement, you know. We've we've got some tight deadlines and um, to to meet in terms of strategy and and funding, um, but that's really exciting. So as we learn. We're, um, we're sort of applying at the same time and creating something. So so it's really exciting. Well, it's great to meet you, James Hope Gill. From GB Skateboard and Skateboard England, the Chief Executive, thanks for talking to great British bosses from Anything But Footy. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.